You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe. Today, we're going to uh, walk through a bit of a journey. It's an interesting twist, I think. We talk here on this show a lot about business practices and principles and best practices, but as anyone who might be listening probably knows, when you try to balance your work life with your family life, the family can struggle and suffer. My guest today has done a lot of work in the family side of business, and he's going to share with us some ideas and tips and principles that he has uh, worked hard to put together. His name is Aaron Shelley. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Doug. I'm very excited to be here. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I I do. I I think this is an interesting twist. And before we get into the meat of the subject, uh, give everybody a little bit of a backstory on your journey and who you are and what got you into doing the things you're doing now. Yeah, so when I grew up, I was pretty athletic. I learned pretty young, though, when I was in high school, that wasn't going to be the way I made my money. And so I did an undergraduate in mechanical engineering. And then I got frustrated as an engineer because I couldn't understand why the business people were doing what they were doing. And I realized that great engineers don't make great companies. Great business people control the engineers, right, usually. So I went and got an MBA. And then my wife and I, she was running an Irish dance school at the time when I graduated. So instead of following the job, I, my wife and I put the studio behind our house. And then we've had that for the past 25 years. But that's kind of a business that you can't expand very well. So we kind of got it to a good point and I started to work in industry. So I worked for ancestry.com doing some operations stuff, did a startup in the genealogy space, uh, three years and $11 million and that didn't work out. Um, so then I was doing some consulting. I'd put myself in a good financial spot. And so my wife and I were like, what do you want to do? I ended up helping a guy at uh, a local university. He was writing a book on, entrepreneurship levels and family structure. So he was focused on kind of family business. So I did that research with him. But in the course of doing that research, I looked at the model he was using. And I said, I don't like your model. I think you could use this model. I wrote about 50 pages and had the model brought up. And he said, yeah, that's your book, not mine. So I never really wanted to do it. I was doing some consulting on the other side with a, a fulfillment company. And so I was kind of noticing these patterns between family and business. And then I had a, my mom sent me a letter during that time or a newspaper article that showed, hey, this guy is, you know, he's going to prison for rape and attempted murder. And I was like, cool, that's where they should be. Those type of people we don't need in society. And then I looked at the name and I said, oh, that's a guy I knew in high school. He was in my church. He was in my high school. He was in my scout group, right? He lived 10 houses away from me. And I thought, I don't understand the rules of family. I'm doing okay in business, but I don't understand the drivers of family. And so I kind of became obsessed with that, had the book ready. And then I kind of took a little bit of a hiatus from the book because a friend of mine, he hired me to work as a development manager. And we took that company from about 10 to, or 20 people to about 180 in the last three, four years. And so I was like, well, I'm focused on that. It's a better opportunity. And then I've kind of 
we took 54 million in private equity. And then I had the chance to step back from that about a year ago. And so I was then focusing on the book primarily because I just feel like the family, we need to understand how it works because it's kind of the pillar of our society. And if we don't figure it out, we're going to have a collapsed society, I feel like. Yeah. Well, definitely. And then that is a huge space to step into. There, there are so many things. And I mean, just as you were describing that, I had a flood of thoughts in my own mind about a family. And when I think about, um, you know, modern church and religious organizations that are arguably trying to support family values and family existence, there there are still so many factors in the world swirling around us that are attacking the the family dynamic and making it hard for people to um, to succeed at that. And as most of us who have been down that path, uh, you know, growing up, getting married and having children, there's no book that comes with that. That I was talking to a friend the other day. We, we somehow got on a thread of <clears throat> remembering that very first day when you brought that first baby home, and you know, and and you you might have it laying in a crib or out on the bed, you know, changing or whatever, and and you have that aha moment that says, "What have I gotten myself into?" You know, and it, it gets real very fast. I, I think that's a, I had definitely had that same experience. You're like, well, where's the rule book for this? Like, how does this work? You know, I went to school, got trained. I did all these things, but what do I do with this kid? And it's, then you kind of look back on your own history and you're like, well, what did my parents do? And you're like, I don't even remember when I was this young, what they were doing. So you're in this weird void of what am I supposed to do? I really have no programming on how to do this. And I think that's where, you know, some people, and I think a lot of men particularly like, well, I got to support this. I mean, that's how I've kind of looked at it. I got to support this kid and my wife. So let me focus on my work and really just delve in very deep that way. But I don't think we have a good model for how to look at family and understanding the dynamics. And that's really where I wanted to pull out of the business principles. You know, if, if you're in a business and you say, oh, we're having problems, you'd say, what's the problem? You know, is your revenue not high enough? or your margins we have these very simple principles that you can go into a business and usually you know look at their their balance sheet their income statement their cash flow statement ask them a few questions and you can figure out what are the issues and what happened there you know what is it founder dynamics there's all these very basic things that you can do but you get into family and you're like i don't, I don't know <laughs> and that's at least that's how i felt so that's really oh, yeah. what my goal my goal with the book was is how do you create a system because like i come from mechanical engineering you want to build an airplane you have to understand the the fundamentals of lift drag you know pressure all these types of things but once you do then you can build an amazing airplane and it's like in family i think there's a similar principles that exist i just don't think we've understood them very well yeah well, so let's let's uh, lean into the the real details. What what were some of your pillar principles that you put forth in your book? Well, so the first, I usually like to start from a business perspective because everyone can be a little less emotional and they usually have experience there, right? But if you look at a business, so if we looked at Google, they have a strategy and a purpose for existence, which they say right now is to organize the world's data. I believe, right? 
And then they have a structure, which is, well, how are we going to organize in terms of stock option? Who gets the rewards? What roles and responsibilities are people going to take on? What meetings do we have? And then they have a culture, which is we're going to hire a bunch of smart engineers. So we need to give them freedom and responsibility. And if you look at that, those, those, their, their strategy, structure, and culture all align. And that's why they can be super successful. But if you look at like Walmart, they can't have that Google culture because they need people to show up at a specific time. They have a much more top-down leadership perspective because they're hiring much less educated people and their strategy is completely different. So that's where you see like Google and Walmart, although they're both very successful companies, you couldn't take a structure from what, you know, from Walmart and put it over into Google because they just don't work. And that's where I think it's so cool about business is we understand there's hundreds of thousands of different business models. They all are kind of variants, but once you get into them, you're like, oh, are you a SaaS company? Are you with this? Okay, well, we can understand the model. And so if you take that over to family, then I think you look at, well, what is the purpose of your family? And if you get married to someone and you don't have a shared purpose, it's going to be bad. <laughs> if she wants to travel the world and you want to build a real estate empire, you're like, well, how are we going to do this? And then if you look at from a cultural perspective, if your culture is, you know, work really hard, delayed gratification, we're going to hit it hard, suffer a little bit, but we're going to make big investments. And then in the long term, we'll be better off. But then if you have someone who you're marrying, they're your instant gratification. You know, they want everything now. They want to get in debt. Well, you're going to have these alignment issues in your family, just like you would in a business, right? If two founders got together, they would have the exact same problems. And in a family, we just don't look at it that way. We're like, well, it's kind of heartless. And you're like, it's not heartless. It's just, these are the dynamics at play. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And, you know, I, I definitely agree with the whole idea of, you know, sort of establishing that initial relationship on a principles-based, you know, what are your visions, values, and your own sense of purpose in this world? Uh, and uh, categorically, I think young people suffer with that. We, you know, we grow up, we likely got little to no coaching and training on how to go search for a spouse. And, you know, I know the one one little small victory I claim is when my kids were young and getting into the dating game, I, I told them, you know, I watched them get all stressed about the date and everything. I said, whoa up. I said, you're, you're already launching the vision of walking down the aisle and having the wedding and all that. I said, you don't even know this person. Your one mission is to decide if you want another date. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And that's, that's a lot where you see, even like if you were again, going over to the business thing, if I said, Hey, you know, Doug, you and I, I want to go into business with you. And I say, I want to start an accounting firm. And you say, I want to start a, you know, a Google. It's like, well, we probably shouldn't get married. We probably shouldn't start that company because we don't want the same thing. And so I think, and there's also another perspective when you're on a date, I think often you're trying to be like, I want them to like me. I want them to like me like job interviews when you're young. Right. And then as you get older and you're on the other side of the table, you're kind of like, well, I want them to like me, you know, too, if they're really good. But you're also like, we want to filter out people who just won't work, even though they want this job, even though they would pay them money and it might be good for them, it may not be a culture fit for us. So we need to be, I think a lot of times we're, we come from a position of weakness rather than a position of strength. Like we're trying to filter people and find a specific person. And this is where you get into interviewing, right? There's so many strategies in business, how to interview, 
what are the what are the job description what the what's the role making sure you're clear on what that is but then you get into dating and it feels like very few people are actually thinking through what role do i want to play in the family and what role do i want this other person to play in the family am i going to be the one making money and she's going to be the one staying at home or is she going to be the one make, are we both going to make money what are the roles and responsibilities we think we i want for my family and do they align with hers yeah well, I, I definitely see the value in the principles there, but, you know, for for so many marriages that are already in flight and, you know, underway, uh, what, what do you what do you tell them to start, you know, sort of reframing, restructuring and realigning? I think the biggest I, I mean, I, I did not do this in my own marriage from the beginning. I think when, when I first got married, it felt like I was more treading water, you know, like especially as children came and then the demands of small children and sleep deprivation, early career stuff. But I think if you if you do start, if you're in flight, then the question becomes, well, what is your purpose together as a family? Right. If you and your wife, like, what are we trying to achieve together? Because most concerns, most conflict comes when you're not aligned in the long-term direction, right? Just like in a business, I love being in business sometimes because you can have such like heated arguments, not like you're stupid, but here's what I think the best way to accomplish the goal is. And then you say, here's what I think the best way. And then we usually find a, a, a good middle ground of what is the best way from both of our perspectives. And I think it's the same in a marriage. What are we, what are we going for? Can we agree on the long-term stuff? Can we agree on the roles that we want to play in this thing. But I've, I've seen it in my own life, you know, as an entrepreneur in business, it's like whatever needs to get done, I've got to do because there's no one else to do it. Or maybe if you have a partner, though there's only one other person and if they can't do it or they're stressed, then I got to take it. And I think it's the same mentality in a family. It's like what needs to get done and then who is best equipped to do that thing. And then we go in and tackle it together. And I think, if, you know, if you look at a, and a lot of people have got into this, well, a family is 50-50. And you're like, people are like, well, it needs to be a 50-50 relationship. And I'm like, you would never get hired if you said, I'll give you 50%, right, in a company. They would say, well, we want 100%. Because you're saying, like, you're going to take over sales. You need to give 100%. And I'm going to do the development work. I need to give 100%. And together, we're going to have a synergy where you're doing the thing you're best at. I'm doing the thing I'm best at. And we have this great synergy. And I think when we start to, a lot of times people are like, well, you need to do clean this and you need to do this. And as soon as you get into that mentality, you're not leveraging other people's strengths. You're really trying to make it like you would never tell your developers, you need to go do sales half time and then do marketing a little. And then like we specialize in our, in our businesses and it's beneficial. But I think this, this push of that's been lately in our society has pushed everyone to be like, well, you need to go make money and you should go compete with each other to make money. Well, there's other elements to family, just like in a business, you have marketing and sales, which are developing social resources, developing your brand. Who's doing that if all you're doing is trying to make money, right? If that's the number one goal. So that's what I see as a little bit of the problem is there's other resources besides, like I call them the financial resources, social resources, which is your brand, your reputation. And then you have your human resources. And all three of those resource types are useful in a business and you have to take care of them. And if you neglect them, you're screwed. But in the family, it's the same. We all have the same financial resources, social resources, and human resources. And I feel like we're neglecting a lot of the social resources, which would be, you know, investing in your community, investing in relationships with others, investing in a church or a social group, 
all of those things are super important for a family's stability, hey, for a family's mental health. And if you don't invest in those, you'll be like, oh, now our family's falling apart. Oh, I just invested. I'm a doctor. I'm making tons of money. I just focus on that. And then I, my wife wants a divorce and my kids hate me. Well, it's because you neglected the social resources of the family. And now your, your goal to be wealthy has now been screwed up because now you're divorced. And so that's where I think in a business, you would never say, don't invest in marketing and sales. Everyone would say that's a recipe for disaster. But societally, we've said, don't invest in those social connections, those social resources, and it's causing massive consequences in society. Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, all that is definitely true, and I can certainly think of a lot of situations. And, and when, I, when I think about your analogy there of the, I'll call it compartmentalizing the roles and responsibilities between the partners in the marriage, um, uh, I know I've talked about it before. My wife and I have great harmony and um, have literally never had a fight, honestly. And I can, people look at me like you're lying to me, Doug. And I'm going, no, not really. I mean, and, and one of the key reasons I think is that we did have that discussion and we, you know, kind of drew some lines around areas of responsibility and, there are things that she's got full span of control over. I don't arbitrarily critique, you know, what's going on. I mean, she may come to me and say, you know, do you like this choice I'm getting ready to make? And I can give my opinion, but, you know, I, I don't become overly critical after the fact and say, that was a really bad call. You know, you didn't, you should have done something different. I fundamentally have have said I don't care, and I, I don't mean that in a condescending way, but it's like I pledge that that's yours. Whatever you mm -hmm. choose, we're gonna we're gonna embrace, we're gonna have, and we're gonna deal with. And then there are things I'm gonna do that you need to give me that latitude, and 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 that's what we do. And we don't have any of this yammering and yakking about you know. Well, I can't believe you bought that you know, grill, you know, what, what's that about? You know, da, 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 da. well, you know, I'm the outside patio guy. If that's the grill I needed, then, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, and, and you hear stories from, from couples that their whole life is that yammering and that sniping at each other about choices that got made. And I think there's, it's just like in a company, right? You need your your CEO slash CFO, who's looking at the finances, making sure things are, you know, oh, is our marketing budget too high right now? Are we overspending? Okay, we got to pull this back. Oh, is our sales team too big or is it too small? Like you need someone who's looking over it all holistically. But then once you get into the individual roles, people need the latitude to do their role. And that's where I think it's very important for couples to look at the roles on well, what who's doing what in this relationship because a lot of times it's either culture you know we we want to go on vacation every month and we don't have time you know i want to invest there's some of those pieces but then there's also the pieces of well whose job is this you know like you say you're the patio guy <laughs> i'm the if the crap you know and it's raining and there's a the roof is leaking i'm the one up on the roof right and it's like and why well i 
I don't know. I feel like I want to keep my wife safe. And it's a very, it's a strong value for me when it's snowing. I'm usually taking care of the stuff outside. So that's where, and then, but the, the, the core thing, and I think you see this in business as well. I appreciate my wife and I tell her, I appreciate the things that she does. Cause I understand that she's making investments for other in other resource types that I'm not making. You know, and she takes, I had a daughter who just got in a skiing accident and she's taking her to the doctor and she's taking her to physical therapy and doing all those things. I appreciate that because that's, I want that to happen for my daughter and she's doing that. And I think in a company, you'll often see like the sales team and the product team can be at odds and then they start nipping. Well, the reason we can't sell is because product sucks. And the product people are like, well, you guys just suck at selling. We've given you all these things and you haven't done it. And you can always get into these negative cycles. But I think, and, it, and that happens in a marriage too, where you just don't appreciate the other person. So I think it's core to, and my wife will do this, you know, I'll go shovel the snow and she'll be like, wow, thank you so much. And it's, that's my job, you know, but she still appreciates that it's my job. And that's where I think we get into this. We've, we've got to this point where a lot of people are like, well, men and women are the same. And you're like, it doesn't matter if you're quote unquote, you have the same capabilities. What do you want to do in this, in this family? And what responsibilities are you going to take? And then, you know, maybe, maybe you're not great at one of those areas, but it needs to get done. And so you say, I'll take it on. Like, I don't know that anyone loved taxes and accounting, but it's like somebody in the family has got to do it. So I'll take it because I care about it the most. And that's where I think there's a lot of just, if you're figuring out your business model, because that's really the core, how things are going to work, your culture, structure, and strategy, and you work with your spouse to get those things worked through, then, and that's the key is like, if you look at a business model, that's what's generating the wealth of a company. And so there's a lot of people out there like, I want to be rich. Well, that's cool. But being rich is a function of generating wealth. So to me, it's like, do you want to generate wealth or do you want to be rich? Because if you're focused on the generating, then you're like, how do I add value to other people? And how do I add value to my spouse so that she wants to, to a person so they want to be married? So I think it's core, like, how do you get a good business model with your spouse? Because that, in my opinion, if you see entrepreneurs and they're like, I'm busting my butt trying to be an entrepreneur and my spouse isn't supporting me, it just, it makes life so much more difficult. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I want to ask you in, in your experience now that you've, you know, been focused in this work for a long time, let's talk about the dynamic where they have, the couple has chosen to do a classic role reversal of the old, old school thinking, you know, dad goes out and works and mom stays home and does the house things and the kids, you know, in my life experience for all the couples I've known where that's a little bit flipped, where the woman goes out and is the primary breadwinner and the man is, might have some kind of job, but it's not particularly significant. It's not primary. It's not primary, and they do most of the caregiving of the kids and, uh, you know, the, the traditional housework kind of responsibilities. I have to say, sadly, most of those situations I know, of, actually, I'm going to say all the ones I know of that are like that, when you really get to know the couple, they're not happy at all. They're fundamentally not happy. They've they've maybe accumulated some wealth. They've had some success. Their kids have turned out reasonably well. But at the root of it, they're if you really get to know them, they're not a happy couple. And I've always questioned, and this goes back to some of my 
Judeo-Christian, you know, belief systems, I've always questioned the the inversion of that traditional role as being a source of conflict. You know, maybe the man doesn't feel manly or worthy, and yet he doesn't do anything about making it be different. He allows it to continue, and it just gets to be a real um, struggle. Yeah, no, I, I that's that's been my experience as well. It's very difficult in those situations where you have that inversion because there's, I think it comes down to, in a lot of ways, we, we have a biology about us, right? Like men cannot have children. Like as much as I I'd wanted to, I cannot have children. I cannot nurse my children. And if you go through hormonally, there's a couple books, one called the male brain and another called the female brain. I think we want to pretend like, well, we are the same. We think the same. But if you actually look at it, no no person that I've known has ever chosen to go through puberty, right? This is not a choice we make. It's something that happens to us. And if you look at women, when they have a baby, their, their hormones are doing certain things. Their brain is doing certain things that's saying, nurture the baby, focus on the baby. And then when you look at men, there's also hormonal changes. <laughs> I think when men have children being around babies where men are all of a sudden like, I need to go protect and I need to go provide. And so there's these dynamics that are happening in our minds because of our biology. And there are cases where you have to make that work. And like so the, the man could be disabled or something could have happened, but it's always, it's very difficult because of this biology that's going on. And I've seen it with almost all the women. They're like, I'd rather be home with my kids. You know, I, the number of women who I've seen, they're like, yeah, super career driven. And they're like, you know, they went to college, they're phenomenal, they're super smart. And then they have a baby and then they're like, ah, I'm gonna stay home now, right? Because your brain is changing. And I think it's very, it's very, uh, I don't know, arrogant in some ways to think I can rationally determine what my body is going to do and how I'm going to feel. And that's where I think you're, you're kind of denying the biology of, of things where what is happening to your mind and body is out of your control. And if you understand that from older people, <laughs> when you have some wisdom, you're like, like I raised my daughter and my son, I have four kids, but my oldest two were a girl boy. And I raised my daughter because everyone was like, it's a pipeline problem. So get them into tech. You know, they, she was coding. She did Photoshop, everything I could. She was working at that, that startup when she was like 13, just kind of as an, as a, an unpaid intern type thing. And then, and to give her experience, but then in the end, she wanted to be a nurse. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this is not a pipeline problem. My daughter was so much more interested in biology and helping and those type of things. And so I look at this, like we can't deny, I don't, I, in the book, I try to stay, you know, fairly object, like high level, it can work like that. I mean, people can make it work. And like I say, in cases where a husband dies or a husband gets there's certain cases where you kind of have to make it work, but I think it is more difficult when those dynamics are shifted because you're playing with a lot of biological consequences that you probably didn't anticipate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, part, part of my host brain is thinking, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to get some listeners that are going to be writing in on this one. This sounds incredibly um, almost sexist what we said about the traditional roles, but I, I happen to agree with you. There's there's a fundamental biological truth that you can't deny, and 
you have to figure out how to deal with it appropriately. Well, yeah, and that's that's really where I try to talk. There's a section in the book where I actually talk. I mean, there's there's a place where you look at gender. I, I don't know if you've seen gender dynamics. Like when there's more men than women at college, then the men tend to be treat the women better, right? When there's more women at college than men, then in terms of the dating and the relationships, they tend to be much worse because the men are like, well, if this girl doesn't want to have sex on the first date or do certain things, then whatever. So there's these interesting dynamics such as biology, gender ratios, all of these factors that come into how, you know, how, how our brains interpret information and how we behave. And if you don't consider those, it's very difficult to try to make a family work. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a thing, I'm going to go back to what I said a moment ago about the blessing that I count in, in my own marriage, that my wife and I have a, a very good relationship, literally no arguments. And um, and I have been married more than a week or two, by the way, guys, so uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that. But um, the the thing I get frustrated when I hear people giving workshops or preaching from pulpits on Sunday and they say things like marriage is hard. You got to work at it. You have to, you know, do this and do that and be this and be that. I get, I, I don't know, there's something that bubbles up in me. I, I get very, for, for me, the, the reason I think it, it, I struggle with that. I think that's a convenient excuse for not doing the work. Because if if you realize, and, and this is where I think a business parallel happens, when you've got a challenge in a business, you're going to buckle down and you're going to figure it out and you're going to do whatever work you've got to do to turn that around. Well, you're going to have challenges in marriage and building a family and they're going to come from outside the house. They're going to be inside the house. And, you know, you've, you've got to realize, and, and when those moments happen, yes, there's work that needs to be done. But to say, oh, pastor said it was too hard to see. Here we go. That's that's exactly what we're doing. So, you know, I, I'm out. You know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to do that work. And I don't know. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, I think. I think where people get into marriage is hard. I'd, I'd look at it and be like, life is generally hard. You know, like if you look, life is not this easy, hey, I can do minimal work and everything just works out perfectly. Life in general is hard. And so then when you're doing marriage and family, it's like, this is a hard game. This is a hard life. Let's play it together. Let's work together. Just like you see in business, it's harder to be a lone entrepreneur than it is to get a, somebody else there because we always are going to have some emotional ups and downs and you have someone else there. It, it'll, it, I call it emotional diversification where you, my ups and then maybe I'm up and she's down or she's up and I'm down, but there's a, a someone who kind of helps you go through it. And so I think life is generally hard, but you know, marriage and family, there's challenges, but it's just like in a business. Well, what are you trying? What else, what else do you want to do? <laughs> like you just want to retire. And like so many people, I just want to retire and, and do what? nothing yeah. like how is that interesting or fun or con how does that contribute how does it help your children how does it help society and so i think a lot of it's much more in the mode of well life is hard 
it's going to be some challenges getting a partner who you can trust. I mean, I've gone through some, I got audited by the IRS at one point. I had some pretty serious issues. I had a 2008 real estate investment that I made that didn't turn out well. Right. But my wife was there and she was like, we'll get through this. For me, it was like, I felt like crap because I was like, my role was trying to protect the money. Now I made this huge mistake. But then my wife's like, we'll get through it. And we, we, you know, we've changed our values a little bit, changed what we focused on and paid off like $350,000 of debt in the next five, six years, because we were just like, this is what's important to us. And so I think it's kind of this idea that marriage is hard. I think, I think life is much harder alone. I don't know about you, but going at it alone is way harder than trying to go together. And so that's where I think we, we may have put too much on, you know, marriage is hard and you can get divorced. Yeah, but it's harder to do the single player game than it is the two player game. And then especially as you start to get your kids, then you can create this whole network of support. And that's where you say, I, and I talk about in, you know, in my book where we talk about social connections, are, do you have a connections with a group? I don't know how your, your church is, but for my church, there's times when, you know, we have a baby or there's a funeral, there's certain things, and then everyone gets together and supports them. And we may not even know that person well, but we go, those people have the same values. They're trying to go in the same direction. They're imperfect, just like I am. So they're going to make mistakes, but then they'll support us. And I've had, I had a service project where a whole bunch of guys came and took down all these trees in my front yard. It would have cost me like four grand, but instead you had all these guys with their sons and chainsaws and we're like, yeah, I love this. And then we built actually social connections and saved financial resources. So I think there's this point of, Life is hard. It's really hard alone. So the more you can get yourself in a family and then you can help, you know, get involved with other groups, churches, sports groups, whatever, it makes life easier. It doesn't make life easy because life by default is hard, but it will make it easier if done right. And it sounds like you found a great companion. And I think some of the church stuff helps us a lot with the long-term goals. Like what are we trying to achieve in life? How do we get alignment there? And that's, so I think it is, but it can be very difficult when people are marrying with different religious values, because often those mean different endpoints in life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, it's interesting. I, uh, I've done a lot of work, as many of my listeners know, in, in the area of how do business leaders build trust at work. And the starting point when I have opportunity to meet with somebody and really get into this I use the analogy of, of how do we build trust? The question is, well, and I say, think about the process when you might've started dating and you met your ultimate spouse. Uh, what did you do? Well, you went out on a date and you basically had a list of questions in the back of your mind. The questions were ultimately about your values and beliefs. And you poked around the edges and maybe early the questions were pretty low grade, low, low impact. You know, what, what's your favorite color? What kind of food do you like? What kind of movies do you like? You know, but you start building this profile of connection and ultimately you get into the bigger questions like, what faith are you? What's your family heritage? What is your family, your legacy family believe in? You know, those kind of really life impacting questions and if the check boxes are all yes 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 it's green lights all the way you say would you like to get married and you know that 
and that's the fundamental essence of building trust is having those questions and getting those questions answered in a satisfactory way. So um, I, I think in respect to what we're talking about here, building a family environment, I, I think probably the ultimate challenge is not enough questions got asked up front. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, if you look at how we hire, good hiring practices are here. What are you trying to hire for? What's your job description? You go through all these things. Then you come up with your questions. Usually have at least a, we had a culture interview and we had an, you know, a skills interview. And then you look at what people are doing online now and it's okay. I got Tinder. Okay. What's there. Here's a picture. Here's some useless information mostly. And then swipe if you think they're hot or not. And you go, well, it's no wonder that these aren't useful in most cases because none of the information that you would actually want to filter based on is available to to anyone so a lot of those people who could be great matches for you you can't there's no way of knowing because you're filtering by all the useless information like imagine if we were making hiring decisions in business based on none of the information we wanted and just a picture you know like oh i guess he's hot she's hot cool <laughs> you would have a horrible company and that's the same thing that's where I think it's it's hard. It sounds like when you got married, I don't know if you said you got married twice, I think. So if you've got the first time, was it the same or it was the second time where you're like, no, no, now I've got the list down. Because a lot of times in the business world, you learn how to hire by hiring the wrong person the wrong way. And then you go, oh, okay, I missed some things. Yeah. So did your yeah. list change or how did you go about that? Yeah. Well, for me, it was a function of learning by and 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 sadly it wasn't twice it was actually three times and uh you know it took me three tries to get it right and and that was 23 years ago so uh you know did get it right and and yes there was some learning and experience that came along and it it, it was a function of refining my question list in my interviewing process to, to you know really explore and check some big boxes about what was left and of course i had already burned 20 something years in the first two so you know it was a critical time in life if i was going to think about doing it again i really need to get it right you know well, and this is a little bit where if you look at companies and what i'm trying to do a little bit with the book as well as i need to build out i'm trying to build an app as well but it's like in a company you know if if we have sales process one, and then we go, oh, that didn't work very well. Then we have sales process version two, and then we have version three and version four. We usually will we'll hire a new person and we won't tell them, hey, go start with version one. We're like, no, we've already figured it out. Here's the latest and greatest sales process. But it feels like, for me at least, I didn't get much of that when it came to dating. You know, it wasn't like, here's the process. Here's the things. It was like, okay, go get married. Like, now's the time. And I'm like, well, what's the criteria? What should I be thinking about? What values? And I didn't have that list. And so for me, it's a little bit in the family. Like, I mean, you, I think you're a grandfather now. Like, how do you pass on the wisdom you've learned? And how do we make it so that your grandkids are now starting with v th version three or four, which was, you know, it seems like it's been very successful for you. And is that scalable? How do we get those things passed on? Because it feels like we're actually losing. We're I feel like we're becoming stupider <laughs> the way we're approaching life, not more intelligent. And that, that's where you see the family. You know, we're seeing a lot of the divorces. We're seeing a lot of these underlying issues happen with 
kids being raised in single parent homes. And I look at that going, we're not getting, we're not spiraling up. That's the idea of the flywheel, right? From the book, Good to Great, right? It's like you get the flywheel going in this of success. Well, the same should happen in a family. But I, it seems like what we're seeing more of is what I'd call the death spiral, right? You make some bad choices and then generationally those compound and become worse. Yeah. So that's where yeah. I feel like it's how do we pass on the wisdom to the next generation um, with, so that they don't have to learn the same things we did? Well, yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree with you. And I, I know it, in, in our case anyway, my wife and I, we, we spent a lot of time working with our kids. Our kids were young enough when we blended our families that they were still somewhat listening to what we had to offer and, and had to share and, and actually took it to heart. I mean, to the point I've told the story before, my daughter, I have one girl and four boys, but the daughter, when it was her time to get married, um, she found a guy and thought it was all right and everything had worked out. And then she discovered some things and we, we were already halfway through the wedding plan process. And she called me one day and said, dad, can I come over? I need to talk. Sure. Come on over. She said, I can't do this. I've discovered X, Y, and Z about my fiance, and I that's a deal breaker for me. I said, done, deal's done, it's broken. She goes, yeah, but you spent all this money on the wedding. I said, I don't care. <laughs> I, I truly don't care. I am far more engaged and supportive of your decision here. I agree with you. Those things you've described are deal breakers and they should be deal breakers. And no, you don't want to marry that guy if that's all true. And she did. She shut it down, called it off. And, um, you know, it, I couldn't have been more proud of her in that moment for having that wisdom to do that. And then, um, you know, a few more years went by. She met somebody else and is now, you know, very happily married. But she made the tough call that. Well, and this is the thing too, is you, you look in the business world, people will say, what's the worst mistake you ever make? It's hiring the wrong person, right? And if you look in your personal life, what's the worst mistake you ever make? Hiring, marrying the wrong person. So that's that's where you look at it. And a lot of kids don't understand that. It's, you know, it's awesome that you were able to help your daughter see that because she's like, well, but you spent money. And you're like, you don't understand the cost. <laughs> but this is going, like, this is, I've spent you know, whatever, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars, whatever that is, that is irrelevant to the long-term cost that this could have on your life. And that's where I think a lot of this is the holistically looking at it and saying, you know, and, and, and you see this in the venture capital world where people are like, well, I failed at my company. And I remember one guy, he said, you know, he spent $3 million, failed, went back to his, um, you know, he felt like he was crap. And then the venture capitalist came to him and said, hey, if you ever start a business again, you come to me first because I just spent $3 million on your education, right? So there's this other side where I think we often don't see, you know, where she's trying to be the perfect daughter of doing these things. And you're like, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm trying to help you make good choices and help you learn. And so I love that example that you gave because I think it's, it's, it's more what we need to teach our kids and help them. But what, you know, like, well, how did she know they were red flags? Had you taught her about the red flags too? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was more the longer term life learning, you know, and, uh, but 
it, it, it was helping her even create a framework of value that she was looking for. And, um, I'm, you know, like I said, when the, basically the guy had, had successfully lived two lives is what it amounted to. I mean, it's not like he was married with kids elsewhere, not like, not that extreme, but he just had some other interest in life that he had never talked about. And, they bubbled up and became a parent and she just said no you know well and that's one thing if you look at a lot of companies right they actually put their mission statement on the wall right and then if you look at their values like what are their actual values that they live by they'll put those on the walls as well so here's our core values and i think a lot of parents don't do that it sounds like somehow you'd gone through and created those values helped her do that so that when it came time, she could make those decisions. I mean, I did the same thing with my daughter. She was dating this guy and I'm like, well, here's our core values. <laughs> Let's do the, the culture interview is, you know, is he the, is he self-driven? Is he, does he have, is he committed to all these things? And she went, yep, yep. Okay. Well then it seems like it's good. You know, like that's, it's like, how do you have, if you don't think through it, then how can you make a good decision? And that's where I see it, you know, with your spouse too, it's, I've had, I've been doing this with my own family, I think it's about two or three years now, where I put together our values, put together the vision. You know, what does the next five years look like for the family? What are we doing together? And then, and just this, we had our annual planning, which was just looking back and saying, are we living our values? And examples of living our values, I kind of put together a video of that. And it was very interesting because, you know, two of my daughters were crying as they watched it because it's like, look at this. It's so beautiful to see people living the values and being part of something. And I think a lot of people have lost the idea of an identity in the family. And now I see them, identity in family, identity in religion. And so now they're reaching. And I think that's where you're seeing a lot of people like, no, my identity is it's, I'm a political person. Like, that's my core identity. And you're like, that's probably not great because those people have ulterior motives. And so I think it's really important to set up as your family, especially as, as a father, but as a mother as well, like, what are you, what are you leading your kids to? And are you teaching the values and how do you deal with conflict? How do you deal with these things and being much more intentional about teaching your kids that, because like, you sounds like you're in a really good spot where you're like, I've learned all this. It'd be nice if you kids could learn it too, yeah. but it, being intentional and spending the time teaching them can also be a challenge because you know, we always, we often get to these points in our life where we're super successful and now we're cranking. And now like, I have this, these positions that I got to worry about and I have all this money in this company I have to worry about. But then it's like, but where's your investment? You know, like how much money would you trade for your grandkids being successful in life, you know, having good values. And that's where it's like, you know, in business, there's always trade-offs. You can't spend your money twice. And I think it's the same in family. Like, okay, yes, you could make more money, but is that what are you, what are you exchanging for that? And I've seen a lot of people where they, well, I exchanged my money for my relationship or I exchanged my money for my kids. And I've seen that a lot where they're like, now my kids are screwed up. Now I'm paying lots of money to try to help them, you know, go to different things and get therapy because I didn't do that when they were younger. Right. <clears throat> well, Aaron, this has been great, man. I, uh, it is time we put a bow on it and wrap it up, but uh, thank you for sharing all this. Tell everybody the best way to get a hold of you if they're looking for more. Yeah, so I have a website, thefamilyflywheel.com. Uh, the book's on Amazon. And then on LinkedIn and Facebook, Aaron K. Shelley is where you can find me. 
Okay. And as always, folks, we'll have that information in the show notes. So feel free to drop down there, click the link and uh, uh, reach out. But uh, for now, we're going to sign off, say goodbye. I want to thank everybody for sitting in, spending your valuable minutes with us. I hope this was very helpful. And I do want to kind of just put a summary point here. You know, people that are driven to go out and build businesses do have a cost. And you've got to look at family and those you love and the community around you and determine whether or not all your commitment to growing that business is going to impact those that you might love. So uh, count that as part of your periodic reevaluation and take a look at what it is you're doing with your focus, your purpose, and your plans. Be sure you've got the uh, people you love counted in there where they belong. So with that, we're going to shut it down say goodbye and hope to see you again real soon. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.